Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Himan. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Welcome back to the India Fintech Diaries, your go-to show for all things India Fintech. I am Hemant, your host. And in today's episode, we will continue our journey into interesting new developments in the world of lending. P2P lending in India is expected to grow at a CAGR of 18 to 20% to a $10 billion market by 2026. But what exactly is P2P lending? Joining us today to demystify P2P lending is Neha Juneja, CEO and co-founder of India P2P. Welcome to India Fintech Diaries, Neha. Thank you so much for having me here today, Himan. Thanks, thanks Neha for joining. And Neha, to kickstart this discussion, let's start with a brief overview of your background and your journey to founding P2P. I understand that you are a serial entrepreneur. So please give us a view into the entire journey as well. So Himan, I'm a, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm also a bit of an old entrepreneur. So I started <laughs> back in 2008 uh, with a fintech venture. This is kind mm-hmm. of right out of business school. At that time, we were the first, very simply the first website that gave out live derivatives prices to retail investors or anybody who wanted to see. And this is before the financial crisis. Mm. So at that time, about um, two thirds of the trades in the futures and a little bit of the trades in the option segment would come from retail investors who had to call up their brokers for a quote or a price. And we were simply a service that uh, gave out prices live uh, you know, to them and just just did that much that business had a reasonably quick exit to one of the larger exchanges in india commodity exchange in india and uh, and then the financial crisis happened so we felt a little lucky and then we also did a bit of analysis to see that what was the result of our business for different stakeholders and realized that 90% of people lost money who kind of used oh. our service even though which is what happens in the derivatives exactly any which way so then the same founding team kind of um, so um, like we had this resolve that now we will do a win-win business because Mm -hmm. uh, this was like a rather short journey and uh, we kind of narrowed down on the problem of clean cooking so we had we kind of under tried to understand that you know what is uh, like an india-wide problem we can solve and uh, surprisingly or unsurprisingly uh, we narrow down on the problem of uh, cooking on mattika cholas because it is a very big problem. It's uh, roughly about two thirds, sorry, a third of the world um, or more than a third of the world still cooks on traditional indoor open fires as we call them or mattika cholas or, you know, putting some stones together as a structured bonfire or thereabouts, which is super, super dangerous. Uh, this is not a fintech topic, but it's super dangerous. It's bad for the climate, all of that. And we started making um, cleaner burning stoves that use the same fuel, but burn less than a third of it and have a lot less smoke, less climate impact, less health impact and all that. And uh, ran that company for 12 years, uh, raised venture capital, gave an exit, all of, you know, the full cycle completed. But in that, uh, it is in that clean cook stoves company, Greenway, that one, we exclusively worked with rural women and exclusively... Uh, 
worked with microfinance as a distribution channel because microfinance as you know the gramin bank uh, bangladesh model which is also yeah. what is implemented in india is is women organized as groups and essentially uh, with a indexing towards rural women and rural households and came to this conviction that this is a great great uh, borrower segment it's a great asset class which is very disciplined about the payments it is very prudent and savvy about money and it really wants to grow it really wants to increase incomes and you know improve quality of life for their families communities thereabouts and um, in essence so there was i thought so many times that why cannot i lend directly to you know rural women borrowers make a reasonable return also and this would be a very purposeful investment to make and there was no means to do that uh, at least back then but when these uh, peer to peer lending guidelines or regulations were introduced by the rbi in 2018 or thereabouts is when the mm-hmm. whole idea of india p2p kind of got formalized and that is just taking that thesis that uh, microfinance or uh, you know small business o- businesses owned by women are the best borrowing segment kind of got mm-hmm. transposed to the idea of peer to peer lending and this is where we are now very interesting journey you have transferred from derivatives to clean cooking to back to fintech so very different and interesting journey now neha when we talk about peer to peer lending or p2p lending can you help our audience understand what exactly p2p lending is and how does it work so hemant uh, very simply peer to peer lending is one individual lending to another individual or one party mm-hmm. lending to another party this is uh, this is the kind of you know udhari or lending we would have done uh, very simply we would have done with friends or even you know in some kind of a formal way otherwise uh, right. but the fun which is which is easily understood you give somebody a loan directly and they pay you interest the fundamental benefit of p2p lending is that uh, normally in any economy and especially in india there are a lot of financial intermediaries you give your money to a bank bank lends it further or sometimes right. you buy the you know uh, fixed deposit of an nbfc which lends your capital further all of hmm. that peer to peer lending is essentially replacing these intermediaries with a technology stack so that uh, the spread that the intermediary was earning Uh, is kind of split between borrowers and lenders giving benefits to both sides right now um, across the industry this benefit is going more towards lenders than borrowers since the industry is uh, in a in a kind of new still upcoming phase got it got it got it got it and now you also spoke about in your uh, P- india p2p genesis story that once the regulations by rbi in 2017 for nbfc p2p license came in that's when this entire idea Uh, got firmed up can you help us understand or identify the clear regulations or key regulations in that uh, concerning p2p lending uh, so yes hemant so peer to peer lending in india is regulated by the reserve bank of india there were hmm. p2p lending platforms even before the regulations came in and i think okay. uh, it's just my sense i of course cannot speak on behalf of the regulator but my sense is that the rbi saw how peer to peer lending because of technology was catching up globally and there were some mm. issues in markets like china and a few other places as well is why they came in with these regulations the regulations fundamentally permit uh, like uh, uh, a technology platform like ours and uh, you know many others also Uh, to solicit capital from investors on one side uh, and um, invested in debt investments which are again individual loans on the other side 
and also do a bunch of de-risking practices in between which vary from platform to platform but by and large one of the big uh, common de-risking practices is that none of the platform is allowed to touch your capital mm. so all the capital flows through escrow based mechanisms with the escrows uh, monitored by a trustee which is endorsed by the regulator and uh, okay. other regulations as well which limit your exposure to any one borrower uh, or thereabouts so some and of course uh, every platform does its own de-risking de- over and above what compliance requires but fundamentally it's just enabling technology platforms to move capital from investors to borrowers and back understood and for last line that you talked about where de-risking related to concentration of borrowing by a single borrower so that basically means if you i am a lender uh, it ensures that all of my money where which i am investing over a period of time is not concentrated with like few very few borrowers so it may, maybe has put some limits on it is that is is my understanding of that correct and that is absolutely right him and that is what the regulator also expects and then platforms mm. almost i would say almost all platforms go further and offer you kind of uh, diversified portfolios of course you can pick and choose whichever loan you like with diversified portfolios to ensure that um, you know with tech diversification granular diversification or suggesting a granularly diversified portfolio is very easy it's very easy to break capital into small bits and reconstitute it once a tech stack is in place and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> that's what most platforms do where uh, we'll just ensure that uh, let's say you invest as little as 10000 rupees or even 5000 rupees uh, that your 5000 rupees should be split across let's say 8 10 loans with no concentration of these loans across any geography any uh, you know type mm-hmm. of business and multiple such other parameters got it got it that's very clear so and neha now coming coming to india p2p even in traditional nbfc finally the business is same which is giving loans for something right and india p2p if you look at p2p market and you clear explained it very very clearly it's still someone lending to someone now specific to india p2p as a business what is the customer segment that you're targeting what is your differentiation uh, as a business so himand our differentiation is in our borrower segment so we target uh, women and small business owners and of course a bulk of our borrowers are women small business owners and uh, right. there are there are more than a few reasons for it a i i believe of course this is my claim that uh, it's india's best asset class small mm-hmm. loans typically generate uh, higher interest rates because capital right. kind of takes a long journey to get to them and of course there's economies of scale everywhere so small loans can benefit uh, lenders from typically higher yields and it is women uh, borrowers which which otherwise fall into the whole microfinance industry that actually have the lowest defaults they are the least likely to default if you look mm. at all types of lenders in the indian economy the type of lender that has had the most commercial success and the best returns kind of interlinked uh, are microfinance uh, lenders who lend exclusively to women semi urban and rural women uh, these are the types of lenders that have gone on to do the most number of ipos uh, 10 of them have become banks which is saying something and yeah. just generally uh, very robust vibrant enterprises and that's the segment we are playing in before india p2p there was no way for retail investors to invest directly in the the women business owner asset class which falls under microfinance got it and now you explained about what which what is your borrower class 
But as far as lenders is concerned, is there a typical profile on your platform that you see? So we do see, um, I mean, it's uh, we collect less data about our investors and a lot more data about our borrowers. So it's <laughs> right. kind of easier to, uh, you know, qualify the flavor of the borrowers than the lenders. Uh-huh. But uh, but I will say two things. One is that mm-hmm. uh, uh, most of our lenders are relatively savvy investors, which means okay. that uh, uh, P2P lending or their India B2P investment is a part of an overall larger portfolio, which is how it should be. So that's right. uh, so relatively savvy investors. Some of them come from you know lend, a lot of them come from lending backgrounds because they very mm-hmm. quickly understand microfinance and kind of have high conviction because of that. The other is that while like 95% of our borrowers are women, I think less than 10% of our lenders are women because that is also the reality of India. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. Also, we'll work to change, but um, we're, of course, one thing at a time. You're right. It's a slow process. More, more effort needs to be put in, in that direction as well. So when Neha, you spoke about the borrower, you said that the primary category that you're lending to is uh, women and self-employed and a combination of that from semi-urban and the rural areas because that's the segment you're serving do you are you exclusively digital or you also have a partner model where you are partnering with organizations to reach to this category of customers so we are digital so we disperse uh, we onboard disperse and collect from the borrowers digitally all of that is done and we in lend at an intersection of um, uh, a business and a woman that's that's our sweet spot so right. um, our borrowers are essentially like have been running their businesses for five six seven years uh, mm. just to give you a little bit more uh, flavor of the borrowers why it's possible to be digital in this uh, segment we do have agents like partner agents who do a physical verification of the business and physically meet each borrower before lending right. to them uh, but why it's possible to be digital is that um, the microfinance movement is reasonably old. It's about, it's been uh, 10, you know, the sector was regulated some 11, 12 years ago. And mm. very solid regulations, it has grown well uh, because of those. You know, grown well as in grown uh, in size and also in discipline over the years. Now, right. uh, microfinance women borrowers, all of them have a civil score which is something that mm-hmm. most people think that rural women don't have a civil score and they have a good civil score. So they are relatively easy to lend to, which also means that they have borrowed before, they have repaid in a timely way before, and which is why they have a little more comfort than, let's say, the general rural population when it comes to financial services and digital financial services as well. A lot of people are surprised when I share this data point that uh, India would have about uh, 500, 550 million individuals with some kind of a civil footprint, of which about 240, 250 million would be active borrowers. Of that, 80 million or about a third are women borrowers. So it's it's uh, it's a lot larger than what we imagine it to be, and it's a lot savvier and uh, kind of digitally approachable also than what we imagine it to be. That's that's a very interesting insight. So Neha, we spoke about the sourcing of the customer segment. We spoke about the underwriting that most of them have a civil score, so you can use that data to uh, underwrite your customers. Now coming to collections. Is collections also completely digital for you or you use your partner agents that you spoke about to uh, visit them to do the cash collection? 
So in, in this segment, uh, part of the collections are digital and part are cash. Oh, okay. We play in the digital, um, on the kind of digital side. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that uh, your traditional collection me- modes like ENAT, etc. are not super viable in this segment, although right. about a good percentage of our collections come through ENAT. But we understand mm-hmm. which borrowers can do, like we can auto-debit their bank account and where we can't. But for a large right. bulk of the borrowers, what is uh, truly a game changer is UPI. So the collections come via UPI. And because these are such savvy borrowers, most of the collections come, you know, more than a few days in advance. So if wow. you start sending a borrower, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, um, I just, we, you know, sometimes we share our collection efficiency data with uh, external, you know, third parties or thereabouts. And they're surprised right. to see that how is your collection efficiency more than 100%. And then we say that it's because, you know, you start sharing the payment reminder six days in advance. You have to right. share it some days in advance. And same mm-hmm. day, you'll get most repayments. Interesting. Yeah. So the intent is always there. It's just about a reminder coming in and they make the payment, most of them. The That's intent the- is there. It, uh, also in this segment, uh, most of the women are organized as self-help groups or joint liability mm-hmm. groups. So you're co-guarantors to each other. We okay. don't, uh, as a lot of lenders require your spouse's NOC. Like I remember once I applied for a home loan uh, just mm. on my own income, obviously, and I wasn't, uh, like I didn't have a husband. And right. uh, they asked me for my husband's NOC. I said, I don't have a husband. And they said, okay, get your father's NOC. No objection certificate to you taking this loan. What? Said, what? How, how many years back was this? This is four years ago. This is four what? years ago with two different wow. banks. Wow. So this is the side of things that a lot of us don't get to see in this day and age. No, and I'm telling you, a lot of women will uh, tell you this sometimes, you know, because we're just so used to this kind of nonsense that we'll just end up giving the NOC, it's not difficult to get it. Yeah. Uh, but, but you see what it is like <laughs> in terms of the principle of it, it is, uh, it is, it is a terrible thing. And if you kind of keep translating it down to 30, 40,000 rupee loans, which a woman is taking for a business she is running completely on her own, that is just mm-hmm. giving undue power to the spouse. If it was the other way around, which it isn't, right. maybe default rates might go down. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Correct. Know. Understood. 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 And uh, Neha, when it comes to the investors on your platform, what sort of returns, range of returns do they make? So we offer 14 to 16% returns. When we launched, we started with slightly higher ones as just introductory offers, but 14 to 16% returns. And uh, that those kinds of returns are possible in only in this segment, which is a segment that uh, generates, you know, like 24, 25% yields, even for banks and larger, much larger lending institutions too. And here, what is the sort of traction that you've seen on the platform till now? So, I mean, we have, uh, we've processed about 20,000 loans till date. Mm. We've been in operations for a little over a year, just a few months okay. uh, beyond one year. So, we are still in the P2P space also. We are the youngest active platform as on date. And there are right. roughly, again, about 18,000 investors on the platform. When it comes to P2P lending, unlike the traditional lending, Neha, where there is established loan origination system or loan management system in place, which you can purchase and implement, 
at least as far as I understand, there's no standard platform which is out in the market that you can buy for P2P. So can you help us understand how did you build the tech stack? It is like completely internally built or uh, what was the approach taken? So I mean, it's completely internally built and it's completely internally built for yes, one reason that there is no ready-made uh, off-the-shelf SaaS product right. or solution out there that one can adopt. And the second mm-hmm. is that we work um, in a segment which is, you know, kind of microfinance women borrowers, which has its own set of uh, regulations or guidelines as well. So while right. we are technically not a microfinance lender, but we want to ensure that uh, whatever the microfinance lending guidelines are, we kind of comply with those too. And mm-hmm. in that segment to kind of, uh, there is no existing off-the-shelf LMS or LOS also. Uh, right. Definitely not an LMS that captures this kind of dual compliance criteria that we that we are managing right now so mm-hmm. we've had no choice but to build our own and um, ours is a like we have a certain vision which goes beyond just the p2p play so we've had to build a fairly elaborate system mm-hmm. out there understood understood and the same applies to the underwriting model since in the lending business that's the heart and core of it so even that is built in-house uh, and did you hire yeah. someone specific capability-wise to build so, that out? So I have two more co-founders in this venture. Uh, Ravinder mm-hmm. comes from an underwriting background. So he comes, uh, uh, he worked at a wholesale NBFC and a ratings agency before that. So he's oh. developed our underwriting algo and uh, he's been underwriting to the microfinance segment before. So some like for many, many, many years. And uh, Mohit is has uh, is also a two X entrepreneur who previously mm-hmm. built a SaaS platform for wealth advisors in the Australia New Zealand market. So this okay. comes with this exposure of la- building large platforms, but with a much smaller team this time. <laughs> so, which, <laughs> which is how it is. No, looking forward and doing a bit of crystal gazing. How do you see two things, the P2P market itself evolving within the country and part two, what are the plans of India P2P as a business for the future? So, uh, Hemant, on the P2P sector, I think what um, the sector is in itself is quite new. And you can see that uh, after regulations came in immediately, you know, right after regulations, COVID happened. And that right. was a setback for the space. And there aren't too many players out there right now who are you know, properly active. There are just about under 25 licenses that have been given out till date, of which I suspect about only about half are active, including, of course, including us. So, but uh, what has the big change that has been big, like kind of positive thing that has happened in the last year, year and a half, or maybe even two years is that it's a segment with high investor conviction. It's a very easy to understand product intuitively. Uh, while right. people tend to ignore the regulations or not spend much time on those, which they should, but it's okay. it's, it's what happens. It's an easy to understand product and it's also a, uh, easy to top up product. Like you have a lot of uh, other alternate investments or complex products out there where right. let's say you invest in the month of July. Now in September, you have some additional capital but and you want to invest more. You will have to diligence a completely new deal, whether it's a bond or a you know whatever it might be. Uh, in P2P lending, you look at prior performance of your portfolio and like a mutual fund, people tend to just top up their investment, which mm-hmm. uh, which kind of makes it a very easy product. And because of, um, uh, you know, like these partnerships with Cred and Bharat Pay, which is the 12% uh, club product, 
promoting right. this product there's just a lot of awareness out there so for any p2p platform the challenge uh, is not bringing in investor flows the challenge mm-hmm. is just doing uh, lending on the other side in a in a proper way which is right. which is ideally how it should be because just managing both things can can become very difficult amazing neha it was a pleasure having you on the show and getting insights on the p2p market in the country and what india p2p is doing if our listeners wants to know want to know more about the platform what's the best they, way they can do that and so visit us on indiaptp.com we have all details there and uh, please feel free to you know contact any one of our team members set up a call thereabouts we are also happy to arrange visits to some of our borrower sourcing sites just for okay. uh, folks to lenders to understand what the borrower how borrowers generate returns for them and hmm. uh, and it's it's quite eye opening it's it's inspiring it will make you you know feel that there is yes genuine goodness and positivity in the world which is one and you'll also see how returns are actually generated fantastic so neha will include those details in the show notes and thanks once again for joining us today thank you so much himan thank you that concludes another exciting episode of india fintech diaries Remember to visit our website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive content. Until next time, stay safe and keep exploring the world of fintech.